and uh, for uh, encourage everybody to uh, uh, settle in. Um, after uh, all of these introductions, uh, I'm not ready to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> So we can uh, take the opportunity to uh, just have the uh, settle into the physical posture of meditation, and uh, but also to settle into a uh, say a mental posture in a sense. So how do we prepare our, our mind for meditation? Uh, the uh, <coughs> As we're sitting, as using the uh, physical uh, posture, uh, and uh, uh, sitting upright, whether one's sitting on the floor, uh, sitting on a chair, uh, just to take the opportunity to uh, sit comfortably, but comfortable in the sense of having a, a, a physical alertness and a physical uh, presence, being present with, uh, with the body, uh, using the breath as a, a foundation for establishing uh, and uh, grounding our attention. When we use our breath as a, <coughs> a meditation, there's no need to uh, overly control uh, the breath. Um, paying attention to the rhythm of the breath coming in and the breath going out. Where do we experience it? Take an interest. Um, one of the things with, with meditation is learning to be interested in it. Now, rather than um, meditation being something that you're trying to force yourself to do, uh, make yourself conform to an idea of what you think you should be doing, uh, trying uh, uh, too hard uh, to uh, make the meditation experience uh, be something that uh, you have an idea about uh, just learning how to be present with what the experience is of something simple uh, and it can't get much simpler than breathing uh, we all breathe whether we're old or young or whether we're monks or lay people whether we're male or female whether we're even good people or bad people. We still breathe. Uh, so that just uh, breakfast is something ordinary and not 
Uh, and I, this is what's actually really helpful: is that it's uh, it's not a it's not a personal thing. Uh, having something that steps sort of outside the boundaries of uh, our personal identity. Uh, it's a great break. There's this kind of the tyranny of our identities and our personality and uh, all of the ideas of what we think we should be or shouldn't be. Uh, it's just a breath. <laughs> it's just an in-breath and it's just an out-breath. Uh, we're just learning how to allow our attention uh, to settle on the breath. Allow the breath to actually be, a, say, a vehicle for relaxing the body and settling the mind. And there's a whole variety of ways that one can be doing that. Uh, if it's quite clear or stands out, but just to, to settle into that sensation, the rhythm, wherever one's experience, of whether it's at the tip of the nose, back of the throat, area of the chest, of the abdomen, um, or if following the whole sensation of the breath um, as it comes in, as it goes out, um, it's fine if one wants to use uh, a uh, in uh, one of the most common uh, meditation tools in Thailand or, or supports for the meditation is just using the, uh, the, the uh, a word uh, it's one word the Buddha say. and they use it and the way that the Thais use it and pronounce it they use a Buddha so that on the in-breath on the out-breath it's using a, a simple uh, word uh, like that one could count uh, a lot of it is, is just helping how do you support attention uh, how do we encourage attention to stay with what we're doing. Sometimes just using a, 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 a imagery so that, that in the sense of um, sort of breathing in a sense of expanding and you can feel that as you breathe in it's just the air coming into the body there's an expansion, there's a, uh, a feeling of, uh, of uh, space, a spaciousness, uh, and breathing out, a feeling of release. release. So it's just something uh, that one can use as, a, as an image, uh, or as a, <coughs> a reminder that something is happening. giving oneself the opportunity to take an interest uh, 
again, not with forcing or tightening, uh, making it too controlling, uh, actually learning how to uh, enjoy sitting quietly uh, with the with a, a, a simple object like the breath. There's so much of the, you know, one of the things that we're, uh, say, in a busy modern society, uh, we're actually quite competent at uh, uh, doing uh, complicated things. Learning how to do something simple. Paying attention to one in-breath and one out-breath. Giving oneself that opportunity for simplification, shedding a lot of the complication and complexity. Using the breath to have something to um, brighten the mind. as the breath comes in just having a, a sense of brightening of making it uh, a certain lightness coming in it's like we, it's even we think whoa what's this uh, whole thing about uh, what's the goal what's the purpose it's, like, wow, it's about enlightenment what's it's not about in dark and night. It's getting some light and, and space into the into the heart, into the mind. And so much, so often, there's a tendency in the in the mind to start getting narrow and tight, uh, closing in. Let it, let some get some light in, get some space in, uh, allow it to uh, feel. And spacious, uh, and allow it to be, uh, allow that light to to start to manifest. Uh, so these are just some, just pl- dropping seeds in, just dropping suggestions in, and uh, see if something uh, is interesting. Because that's the in, in terms of meditation. Whether it's going to be, you know, how do we become successful at meditation? It's really only through being interested in it. Um, whether it's difficult, whether it's easy, uh, whether one feels it's successful or not, but taking an interest, you know, taking an interest in the, in the in the in the posture, taking interest in the in the mind, in the heart. Uh, what's our experience? What are we feeling? Uh, how to relax around that? So we can take this opportunity to work with that, experiment with it, and uh, ring the bell at the, at the end of the session.
I overheard some of the the uh, introduction uh, uh, that Bruce gave, some of that Joe gave, in that little room there. <laughs> I couldn't quite hear everything. But uh, I think one of the uh, things is uh, just uh, recognizing that, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a monk. <laughs> so I'm going to be approaching uh, practice from slightly different, uh, slightly different uh, uh, perspective, and uh, and of course I also, Joseph, um, I spent 23, 24 years in Thailand, so that I had a very much steeped in uh, traditional uh, expression of of, uh, uh, of practice, and uh, uh, so those uh, condition how I how I view practice and and how I teach, uh, you know, how I practice myself, uh, so that. Uh, <coughs> And just to uh, uh, recognize that and and uh, no. So that as a, uh, uh, say as a monastic, um, say my own life is uh, enmeshed in uh, the uh, practice of generosity in the sense of uh, that I uh, have uh, 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 relied on uh, the generosity of others for 41 years and uh, been able to practice. Um, they're one of the reflections uh, uh, that uh, um, I've heard and just the, uh, that sense of uh, every every single meal that I've eaten for the last uh, over 40 years has been given to me. And, uh, and that uh, my existence uh, is completely dependent on that. And that uh, uh, as they sometimes say or one hears uh, that in our physical body uh, is uh, 
our cells are constantly uh, replacing, replenishing themselves and uh, uh, over a period of about seven years and all of your cells are replaced in your body. So, um, so my body's been almost six times replaced <laughs> <laughs> just by generosity. <laughs> and, uh, you're, you're looking at the, the fruits of generosity <laughs> that I exactly exist here. <laughs> and, uh, it's an interesting reflection. Uh, and that uh, um, but also when one relies on generosity then um, the uh, um, it's not a a uh, it's not a one way uh, street or transaction it's, a, uh, it's also um, being able to give and that uh, uh, so that uh, like a, one of the um, reasons for me uh, coming to America um, was after having uh, yeah after having been a monk for 20 odd years uh, and uh, the uh, uh, there was an invitation to uh, establish this uh, place in California, and yeah, I thought it'd be a good thing to give to, uh, and uh, and that uh, um, also <coughs> as a um, as a kind of uh, a gift to uh, American culture. Uh, there's an alternative uh, way of uh, of approaching uh, Buddhism, approaching life uh, that uh, you know, I see as a uh, as a gift. Anybody wants it, they can take it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. That's fine. There's lots of people that are completely uninterested, uh, but. Uh, it's sort of it's there so that uh, and that's what a monastery uh, actually is it's a uh, it's a place that is a, uh, it's a gift so that people can uh, plug into it uh, they can uh, um, uh, benefit from the presence of a of a uh, uh, of spiritual practitioners um, uh, can be uh, join in in any way, shape, or form in the sense of uh, for shorter, longer periods. Um, uh, Jill and Bruce have come up and spent time. Uh, Jason, Dan, someone, Betsy, someone, uh, and spent time. Just uh, and there. Uh, Michael, Melvin, uh, I remember the very early years of uh, the dear Michael Shaw. It's, uh, it's just it's a, uh, it's a play. It's, it, it, it's there for for the, the, as a as a uh, as a resource and as a, as a 
a peaceful environment that, that people can uh, participate in, join in, uh, and uh, to whatever extent that feels useful. Uh, and it's uh, yeah, it's freely given, uh, and we can. And that, uh, that, that there's a uh, uh, that, that quality of generosity uh, is a um, one of the the, the ways that it, the word that the Buddha himself uses in in uh, in scriptural language uh, is punya, and uh, and, and it's a just um, a Terrible translation in English uh, of merit. And it said that merit is sort of like uh, it doesn't really it loses the kind of joy to it mm-hmm. uh, because they, they uh, and it's almost okay merit. Okay, we'll work it all out. How many points do you get? But it's how the word punya as a word that the Buddha used. Uh, I said it's uh, it's a it's a it's a punya. He said, "Don't be afraid of punya. Punya is another name for happiness." Mm-hmm. And so that that's that's a, uh, uh, that's a that's an interesting perspective in that sense of that generosity is a basis of happiness and well-being. Uh, we we gain. Uh, happiness by, um, uh, by by giving, by sharing, uh, and and of course uh, uh, by receiving uh, the benefits of, of giving, um, and uh, and we all and just as the um, the acknowledgement of all the people who help set things up, pull it together, uh, those are acts of generosity. Uh, and, and give it, and, uh, and it doesn't—it's not it doesn't have to be tangible, material. Uh, it's because in the end, giving is uh, is a giving of ourselves, and a giving up of ourselves. Uh, because um, if you think of of uh, uh, you know, what is it that is. When the Buddha talks about say, suffering as a as a a focal point for yeah, a spiritual religious teaching, um, what is it that, that is is the kind of the what's the glue that holds suffering together? Me. <laughs> <laughs> is that all? Uh, it's uh, that sense of uh, a sense of self, a sense of me, a sense of I am this, uh, I'm good, I'm I'm, um, um, I want, I don't want, uh, this is mine. So that uh, that sort of that the mantra, of the human mantra. Of uh, I me mine, and it's the, like the old Beatles song. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
all through the day, the I and the all through the night. Yeah, it's just as cool. Keep that mantra going all the time. <laughs> we wonder why we suffer. <laughs> so that that, that that opportunity to uh, uh, giving of generosity, um, those are uh, opportunities of stepping back. You know, like yesterday I gave a talk at uh, uh, Kaiser uh, in uh, uh, San Rafael and uh, there's a group of uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers and uh, uh, one of the questions was around, uh, around depression and uh, how do I advise you know, the question how can I advise people who are stuck in depression and these are oftentimes especially as a Buddhist and you know, they want some kind of psychological uh, kind of analysis or technique and, and uh, said well actually um, especially around depression how to connect with others and generosity of course how to give ways of, of giving or sharing uh, or participating and, and uh, you know that's that's a that's a real fundamental way of of, uh, uh, of, of being able to, to lighten that, that uh, you know the, the kind of happiness uh, I'm using the word the, the, Enlightenment rather than inheritment. That we can lighten things by, by our, our ability to, to give and to share and to, to be generous in, in many, many different ways. And, and that's a part of the, the uh, uh, how the Buddha expresses the, the part of the training, part of the tools of. of uh, Living a, a, a life of spiritual practice, uh, because the, the the tools that the Buddha gives, or the, the focus that the Buddha gives, is a a focus on uh, the uh, uh, the nature of the nature of suffering, and the, the and the, the the path leading to the end of, and the cessation of suffering. And that's that's the uh, uh, the Buddha used that as a uh, um, as a basis. I mean, there's many reasons for that. In the sense that uh, uh, rather than uh, some kind of um, doctrinal position or philosophical, metaphysical position, so what it does is take it to the uh, experiential level. And, and, and a very human uh, experience, because uh, we uh, we all experience uh, uh, happiness and suffering, and uh, I think hardwired to prefer the happiness bit rather than the suffering. <laughs> uh, so that uh, uh, there's an immediate motivation to, to be to take an interest. In so that. Uh, so that the tools of uh, uh, of a practice um, 
course, a part of it is meditation, part of it is mindfulness, um, but it's not restricted to that. And I think that sometimes in in uh, uh, in the in the in the West we we can be um, a bit too a bit too focused on the on the, that kind of psychological or technique oriented you know, uh, that and not not expanding it to well how do I live my life um, and uh, because it, uh, there are um, meditation um, really should be something that we learn how to apply uh, in, in all aspects of our life and, and uh, or a meditative perspective uh, in the sense that um, you know, meditation not as a technique but meditation as a container uh, for how we approach uh, and things with awareness and observation and uh, reflecting on uh, yeah, what is it that's going to lead to more happiness and well-being and to less suffering and discontent uh, it's, a, uh, it's actually pretty simple uh, and they, uh, so that uh, um, that sense of, of um, remembering or recollecting, and that's actually uh, actually the primary uh, meaning of the of say of the word that we use mindfulness. Um, the uh, in the scriptural language, the actual primary connotation is around remembering and recollecting uh, so that we're actually recollecting remembering to be present uh, remembering recollecting well what's important what's not important uh, what's useful what's not useful uh, so that that sense of, of uh, re- reviewing and, and, and recollecting and, and it also uh, carries over into our uh, into our uh, actions of a body and speech. How do we interact uh, with with others? How do we interact with the world? What's the what are the results of actions and speech? And uh, this is where uh, let's say the aspect of of uh, Virtue of integrity of moral moral precepts uh, is is a real foundation in the Buddha's path. Uh, uh, it's not a uh, uh, you know, some little thing that's tacked on uh, or uh, uh, plays a, uh, uh, say a minor role in the, in the uh, uh, yeah, in the in the path, and and I think we're especially in 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 the West. I think a lot of our conditioning from uh, Judeo Christian backgrounds. Um, I think there's a a, a reasonable uh, aversion 
moral injunctions and, um, because they're couched in such actual awful terms. <laughs> but uh, if we look at it again, uh, stepping back and reflecting, well, actually, that's another avenue of punya, than what the Buddha calls punya. Uh, this is because when the Buddha talks of the, the fundable, fundamental basis of punya, generosity, virtue, and mental training. Those are the, those are the bases of happiness uh, and uh, uh, learning how to look at it in, 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 or consider it in that way, uh, picking it up in a different way. Because it's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a, there is a uh, stepping back. I can remember uh, about t- 2005, there was a, uh, <coughs> a, a conference in Washington, D.C., with uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama one of the My Delight Institute uh, conferences uh, and uh, I think it was, a, it was the, only the second public uh, venue that they used. Pr- prior to that they'd been uh, done uh, uh, mostly in Dharamsala and, and they were private uh, things with this, uh, a few scientists and uh, giving His Holiness the opportunity to uh, experience uh, ideas and, and uh, uh, have discussions with Western scientists and of course the Western scientists to uh, meet and, and have contact with uh, His Holiness uh, Dalai Lama and have a Buddhist perspective on things. <coughs> and, uh, this particular topic was actually meditation uh, and I think uh, somewhere around the benefits of meditation and uh, um, Ajahn Amaro the co-abbot of of Iberia at the time and uh, somebody uh, I mean he's taught here he's uh, here for the opening uh, and uh, but uh, he was invited to be a presenter and, and in the preparations of the uh, uh, of the conference, and going over the material and going over the schedules, and uh, he, he was being consulted and uh, participating in conference calls, and and uh, and it was all sort of beginning to be organized and and fleshing about all the different aspects of meditation and benefits of meditation uh, that were uh, going to be presented and Ajahn Ram was sort of listening in and chipping in and then asked um, we've been bringing up a lot of different topics and perspectives and see anything there's nothing about virtue I said, oh no, we can't go there. Can't do that. I can't talk about it. And I said, oh, really? It's not Buddhist? No, 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 we can't do that. 
It's really yes, uh, it was really one because of the fear of in a public setting, uh, and then in a scientific setting uh, that uh, uh, one is not quantifiable. Uh, um, so that that, that was uh, uh, it was an interesting interesting perspective. Oh, okay. There's some biases going on. <laughs> uh, but uh, and you had, and I had had to drop that and, and, uh, let it slide. Uh, uh, seriously outnumbered. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I think as as practicing Buddhists, and I think it's important that we reflect on well, what say what are the biases that we have do have? Uh, as I was saying, because uh, yeah, there's I, I think there's some some uh, 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 you know justifiable uh, uh, can be justifiable resistance uh, from uh, some of our background, cultural background, uh, but. Uh, the uh, well, how does the Buddha approach this, and why does he call it a basis of happiness? Uh, and that uh, uh, so that's a, yeah, I mean, it's a useful exploration uh, because you know whether we whether it's conscious or not, we're actually going to be speaking and acting and engaging, and and it all has results. Uh, whatever we do actually has a result and so that uh, it's helpful to actually be a bit more clear <laughs> so that uh, 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 that perspective of, of, of virtue and I think that I mean there's several um, you know, really major differences that, that are helpful to bring up and one is uh, uh, the way that the, the approach from uh, say a Buddhist perspective is this a part of? It is a part of our training. Uh, like the word that the Buddha uses for uh, that we translate into the word precept. Uh, the uh, the the word in the scriptural language uh, literally means uh, the basis or foundation for training or for learning. It's just the, the word is sikapada, and pada is actually literally means foot, but it means has a connotation of foot or basis or foundation. Uh, and the, the word sikha um, means to train, but it also means to learn and to educate. Now, how do we learn? Well, we learn through doing. That's how anybody learns. So that learning how to to train ourselves with our actions and reflect on things that both well, there they uh, they do have uh, they do have consequences uh, and that's uh, when the Buddha was asked um, quite directly well what is the well what's the benefit of say, virtue or uh, precepts more precepts keeping more precepts and the Buddha is going to say, well, uh, the benefit is non-remorse. Because how many times you know, we do or say something, God, I wish I hadn't said that or done that. 
innocent crime when you're actually approaching consciously and, and responsibly and you didn't have to have that remorse at all. and uh, I think it's also important to reflect that uh, there's a big difference between remorse and guilt uh, there's a uh, so we can have remorse over something to recognize, well, that wasn't, uh, that, that wasn't. Is it, when I remember when I was, uh, first went to Thailand training with Ajahn Chah, and, uh, and, and you know, maybe doing something that's you know, not appropriate, not so skillful, not, not, not in line with the, with the training. And, and when the, the, oftentimes the admonishment would be, well, that's not beautiful. Oh, wow. You say something, you do something that's hurtful or unskillful or, you know, get coarse or something. And, yeah, it's really not beautiful. And and of course, the, uh, you know, the the quality of that is that we can actually cultivate a beauty in skillful conduct, and our, our actions and speech can be something that's really beautiful, and uh, you know, it brings happiness to ourselves. It brings happiness to others. Uh, so, a life uh, well lived is. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's a real delight, uh, and that's uh, something that we can do. I mean, the uh, uh, it's not so far away; uh, it's quite immediate, really. And also, that uh, uh, from a Buddhist perspective, so if you go to the monastery. Uh, uh, or there's Buddhist ceremonies. Uh, it isn't the duty of, say, of me as the abbot or teacher uh, uh, to uh, make people uh, keep precepts. Uh, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, mean, I, know, I know how I look after my precepts, you know, and I find them beneficial. I don't really care what anybody else does. Right? But, but, but it's, the way it works in a, in a, is that, that actually, you know, there has to be a request. So that people actually have to ask uh, to, to sort of receive that as a, uh, receive the precepts, to, to take them on. And, you know, I, oh, in that way, yeah, I can give guidance in that way and encourage people uh, to, to take the precepts. And, and but, it's sort of, but then it's a, a voluntary act by uh, oneself to pick them up and take them all, and, uh, say, as opposed to a commandment, which is, is, uh, which is sort of foisted on it. Uh, and... Uh, And when we do pick it up and take it on, of course, we relate to something. We relate to something that we take on voluntarily a lot different than we, 
that, that we do when we're when we're it's either expected or we're forced to for some reason. Um, so that's it's, I think it's helpful to remember that um, you know, so these precepts that form a part of the training um, is something that that we take on ourselves um, because you see the benefit of it um, and. You know, and there's many different aspects to to the uh, to the training, and we need different tools for different situations. So that say something. I remember one teacher sort of saying, "Sort of well, uh, you know, you got precepts are uh, sort of like you got different parts to a car." And they have different functions. So they, the precepts are like the brakes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've got, a, you've got a steering wheel and sort of steer the thing. You've got a gas pedal to make it go. Um, but uh, uh, brakes are really handy. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's... Uh, uh, and... Uh, yeah, because even if you got a, you know, a brand new, uh, a brand new Mercedes or something, and it doesn't have brakes, yeah, it's, it, uh, it's, it's uh, not so good. Uh, so that uh, uh, it, it forms it forms a part of the the, the, the kind of toolkit that the, we have for the, the different uh, ways of, of, of training and stuff. And the uh, <coughs> but another aspect of of precepts, um, and this is something that m- my teacher in Thailand would, would would emphasize, is that the the purpose of uh, precepts is to be able to understand um, when we reflect and are attentive to our actions, we can start to be attentive to the volition behind our actions, the uh, intention, the volitional impulse of the mind that that's generating our, our actions. And uh, until we... Uh, uh, so if we don't understand our own intentions and volitions, our own mental state behind why we're acting, uh, then we keep well, we keep blundering along in the same old way, and uh, well, that's a problem uh, unless you're completely satisfied with your life, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty rare if you're reflective at all. <laughs> And say, okay, yeah, I, I know I can do better than this. And, and uh, uh, but so that, that using the, our actions to understand, okay, what is the, what, what are the mental states? What are the moods? What are the habits? What are the impulses? That condition, um, and okay, what are the results? How can I bring more awareness and skill into into action? So. What's learning? Uh, again, this is a, as a foundation for learning. It's not just sort of learning in order to make your way, uh, 
somebody who can keep rules. Uh, it's somebody who can understand the, uh, their own hearts and be able to yeah, be a, a human being who's actually fully human and, and uh, is actually aware and wise. Uh, so then it starts, you see, all this training uh, that the Buddha is giving us so it starts, starts sort of you know, coming everything starts to be starts to get folded in we realize oh, the Buddha is actually giving us the tools of living a skillful life and actually um, being able to be uh, liberated through wisdom liberated through understanding and discernment and it's these these other aspects which are a very important support for 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 practice and for meditation for cultivation um, the uh, those aspects of, of generosity and uh, uh, of virtuous conduct um, um, you know there's a There's a kind of a in the in the Buddhist scriptures. There's a lot of stock phrases that that come up over and over and over again because it was an oral tradition and it was memorized uh, and uh, uh, so that there's a lot of kind of. Stock phrases that are, are they're kind of like key key words and key phrases that remind you of a of a whole teaching, and uh, that uh, when the uh, when the Buddha was asked about um, you know what's the benefits of of uh, of, 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 of virtue or moral conduct, and the Buddha responding non remorse. He didn't actually stop there. Uh, when he went into this uh, stop phrases that he uses in a causal this in a causal conditioning process uh, that the um, that, that non-remorse um, is the cause and condition for the arising of delight, and and then he goes in and then delight. Uh, uh, is the cause and condition for the arising of joy. And then joy is the cause and condition for the arising of tranquility. So certain settling that takes place. Tranquility is a cause and condition for the arising of happiness. And happiness, the word that the Buddha uses of happiness, sukha, is a, a, both a, a, a physical and mental happiness. It's a whole body experience. Uh, and then they, and, and happiness uh, is the cause and condition uh, for meditative stillness. Concentration, usually. I don't like the word concentration. Samadhi. And in many of the, in, in, uh, in the uh, when the Buddha goes through this sort of the series of stop phrases. Oftentimes, he actually stops at that point 
and, and, it's, and it emphasizes um, that happiness that the happy mind is easily concentrated and, and it's, it's really important as, as practitioners because uh, and I don't think it's just me I'm sure a lot of other people because this is how I certainly approach it that's sort of that sense you know when, when I get my samadhi together, then I'm going to be happy. When I get concentrated, when I get my, my meditation together, then I'm going to be happy. And, and the Buddha doesn't go that way. He says, get your happiness together. <laughs> and your, 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 you know, your, your mind will start to settle a bit more. And that's it's really important. Yes, okay, what are the, the bases of, of happiness and well-being? And uh, uh, that, that's, a, uh, uh, that's a really helpful perspective. And you realize, okay, that developing of, of generosity, the developing of kindness, the developing of <coughs> virtue, and the developing of a, a, a sense of uh, a continuity of attention and awareness. Uh, so these are bases of, of happiness and well-being. You know, it's a, uh, uh, there's a natural uh, delight that, that we can take in those the, those fundamental qualities of the of the mind, and uh, and it you know, takes us to a place of, of clarity. Um, and that's where, in that same sequence, um, say the, say like samadhi, uh, is the cause and condition for the arising of uh, the way the Buddha puts it: knowledge and vision of the way things truly are. That's sense of seeing things in their true nature, seeing things in their true light, seeing things with real clarity. Uh, and, uh, and and that's a uh, and it's through that that clear seeing uh, that um, there's a, a natural sense of, of of wanting to relinquish, wanting to shed, wanting to not carry a lot of uh, extra baggage. I mean, we carry a lot of extra baggage. Uh, as far as our moods, our biases, our opinions, our attachments, our, uh, what we think we should be, what the world should be, you know, uh, what it shouldn't be. All of it is, is so uh, complicated. And, uh, and there's a, uh, you know, like Ajahn, I remember Ajahn Chah sort of saying, you know, only, just remember, there's only two things you need to do in this practice: know and let go. It's <laughs> <laughs> all you need to do: just know and let go. And you know, and of course, uh, uh, knowing has to be a real clear knowing. And letting go isn't just a sort of a, a pushing away, because uh, uh, that can be another. We can kind of let go out of aversion, 
uh, which isn't quite how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> we can let go of, of kind of desire in the sense of uh, uh, I'm going to let go so I can get this or whatever. Get some, uh, set up a sense of self around it. Uh, I'm the person who let goes along. But you realize, oh, that, uh, it's a, uh, it's all around this. Uh, it's that uh, uh, relinquishing of the things that create a burden or suffering. That, that it's important. Uh, and being able to know that clearly. How does that work? How does that happen? And uh, then there's a, you know, I mean, the, uh, the tendency of the mind is so much to to, to hold on, and, and uh, but and you keep investigating and reflecting and paying attention, uh, and uh, you start recognizing. You know, sometimes it's it's actually, you know, there's more. Suffering to letting go than there is to holding on. So we won't. You know, we and, and that's where we see, well, okay, yeah, I'm really. This is. I, I need to let go. But then there's oftentimes, that, you know, our, our initial. Uh, you know, where, 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 you know, there's oftentimes fear or whatever, uh, you know, agendas that we have, a habit of mind. And. Uh, you know, the holding on is stronger. Yeah. And, uh, so it, you know, but there's a point where that, you know, that, you know there's more suffering happening to, in the holding on bit, so we're more happy to let go. But it's just seeing clearly. You know, it's just being able to approach that you know, with a good, solid foundation of grounded in reality, grounded in truth. And that's what, what you know, when we speak about, use the word Dhamma or Dharma, um, uh, these are fundamental truths uh, grounded in time. So I think it's not uh, there's actually there's a there's a, uh, a quality that the Buddha points to that's essential for uh, the uh, Say the or one of the qualities that's essential for uh, that experience of of, uh, that first experience of liberation, freedom, uh, stream entry. I said the uh, I said practicing dhamma in accordance with dhamma. It seems sort of okay, yeah, well, I mean, but you realize, well, you know, so much of our practice of dhamma is. You know, either practicing dhamma with confusion, practicing dhamma with doubt, practicing dhamma with desire, practicing dhamma with, with, with whatever, all of the different agendas that <coughs> confused minds can come up with. Uh, but then as we keep reflecting and investigating, applying and uh, gaining experience and confidence, then it starts to, oh, just practicing truth in accordance with truth, allowing these truth, these truth and the reality of the uh, of the teaching and of the human experience, to be, be, be feeding in and supporting that process of, of, of uh, uh, that allows 
that quality of peace and clarity to keep establishing itself. Talk for longer than I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it there, open it up to questions. <laughs> yes. Consciously, uh, uh, yeah, consciously s- simple you know, in the sense of really, uh, and and it's hard uh, you know, uh, to to do because you know it goes against the stream of the human condition, uh, and um, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons why you come to a place like this. Um, we have a meditation center. Uh, we've got other people who are saying, okay, everybody's agreeing. Like, I don't see anybody pulling out the forms tonight in texture. Or, you know, coming out with the, the, the laptop and sort of checking in on the, you know, whatever. Uh, there's sort of an, an agreement to... Uh, yeah, to come together and, and, uh, and make a communal effort at, 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 at being at a meditation center. And, you know, that's really helpful. Um, but the, the conditions, uh, uh, putting ourselves into uh, supportive conditions and being with uh, good, uh, good spiritual friends, uh, and it's it's, uh, it's really important because uh, we really are able to. Again, that's an act of generosity to help each other, uh, and, and and we all benefit. Uh, 
so that uh, uh, <coughs> and these days there's you know I'm not sure how many programs there is in in a week inside Santa Cruz yeah I'm sure there's lots and and again, being able to plug in and you gain certain momentum that's also how you uh, uh, again it's sort of part of a, a training for oneself uh, where one uh, maybe sets uh, a uh, certain boundary for oneself uh, in certain ways I mean it would, it would people pick it up in different ways say uh, okay don't uh, I don't turn my computer on at least until I've got going in the morning I've had breakfast you know, don't because there, you know, there's, a, there's a habit of I mean I was uh, Often, one of the things I'll sometimes do is, is sort of, you know, checking emails. Sort of check and see when people send their emails. It's out of curiosity. <laughs> yeah, because it's, you know, it's sort of, okay, this is somebody's here at 5 o'clock in the morning, it's a, okay, they just got up and the first thing you do, okay. Oh, you look at their phone, look at them, you know, go to the computer. And you know, sort of you know, actually, okay, setting it aside and setting a boundary for itself. Uh, <coughs> um, going into like when one goes into one's house, because um, oftentimes when we go into, say, we go into the house, um, you know, we do things habitually. And it's just our, our nature. So the building up a habit of doing things in a slightly different way so that <coughs> we're going into the house and uh, yeah, uh, not turning on anything yet. Not turning on the television, not turning on the computer. Uh, and uh, those are the two main sort of poles of of distraction, uh, that that so that being able or you know because that's what we do. You, know, you go into your house, uh, you go home, and you turn the TV on, turn the computer on. If you don't do that, you go to the fridge, see what's there. So that 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 making it conscious. Okay, I'm going into the space. Uh, how do you create sacred spaces? And it's by bringing us attention and mindfulness to it. Uh, so that there's a building up habits that, that at least give up. It isn't as if you're. Because uh, even in a monastery, we're all. You know, it's like. Complaining of. of uh, uh, look, we're, we're, there's some request to start doing a uh, um, a, a teaching program, and uh, and I, like, I don't think we can do it. We don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> 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 you 
uh, is a bit you can see how that can get complicated real quick <laughs> yeah so that that that, that uh, you know, the Buddha will uh, I think quite practically uh, have us pay attention to what you know, where is that where is it that you know, suffering, discontent, dissatisfaction, stress, uh, feeling of difficulty. Well, how does that arise? Where does that come from? And how do we relinquish that? And then it's then you're creating space for something quite beautiful to to, to arise, and uh, whatever we call it. it uh, yeah, I mean it has a it has this whole spectrum of of uh, manifestation. Yeah, please. I'm just wondering about the, you know, the word sukha and the word dukkha, and as you're describing, it sounds like the relinquishing of dukkha is the arising of sukha. And could you, is that the way you <coughs> see it or understand it? I've always wondered about those two words, <coughs> like their relationship. Yeah. And and then um, could you describe? Could you give a definition for sukha? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, those are the Pali words. Of, you know, dukkha as in suffering, sukha as in happiness. But it's not a, I say, a direct antonym. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a direct opposite. And they're spelt a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and, and, you know, spelling always makes a difference. Uh, you know, insert what what is the root? What is the meaning of the root? But <coughs> But they are a, a, a common opposite that the Buddha refers to, and uh, I think the Buddha is using <coughs> common terminology uh, to point to uh, our experience, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that sense of uh, sukha being you know, something that because sometimes sometimes it's uh, fairly specific, and other times it's it's quite uh, quite broad and general. So it's just something that is you know, on the on the positive end of the scale of human experience, uh, as opposed to the, the more miserable end. <laughs> uh, so that 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 sense of super. But then it's also um, there is. Uh, when the Buddha, as there is that progression, uh, then the Buddha, that is a bit more uh, specific in the sense of, or a bit more refined maybe, uh, because it's, uh, let's say, the, the, the happy mind is easily concentrated, the, the mind with sukha mm-hmm. uh, is easily concentrated. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of, like, yeah, that's not just some sort of fleeting uh, sort of giggle here and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's a real sense of, of, uh, of suffusing the whole body and mind uh, with this uh, well-being and, and, and happiness. And uh, it, it really allows a lot of stuff to just drop away. Uh, and, and that, because uh, there's a... There's a there's a natural tendency for 
that sense of say like contentment uh, when we're really feeling internally happy, satisfied. Uh, there's a contentment there. There's not a when there's contentment. There's not that same sort of searching and uh, you know, for something else, uh, uh, desperate need to to, to gratify. Thank you, Lonfield. Um, as we're talking about this um, step-by-step progression towards the more beautiful states, um, there's a kind of assumption that once we get there, it's permanent. But oh. is it also <laughs> <laughs> it's also important, I guess, to realize yeah. and be aware that these beautiful states of the happiness and the yeah. joy and the bliss—they're impermanent as well. And yeah, condition. Yeah, that, that r- reminds me of something that uh, uh, um, just uh, beginning of this month, uh, myself and uh, Debbie actually, and another monk from uh, uh, by and another layperson, we went uh, down to uh, visit uh, Ruth Denison, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, she's getting quite old and she's like 92 and uh, you know her health is not so great uh, it's not good at all and uh, but uh, she she was it was something that she was really wanting to articulate and say uh, you know yeah, as a you know, kind of transmission so don't be satisfied with just Happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't sort of don't don't just don't just practice for just happiness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the point. And so that that, that that recognition of the impermanence and the uh, instability, uncertainty of uh, of all experience, you know, as happy, as bright, as refined, you know, yeah, it's still something. Which doesn't mean one sort of oh, one trashes it because it's uh, it's impermanent. But it's sort of like no, you put it in your in its proper context, so you're you uh, uh, you're able to rely on it to support one to continue to practice. But it's not the goal. It's not the purpose. It's really and so Bruce was really. Uh, because it, you know, you know she, she's getting older and she's been with several infections and difficulties so that uh, that uh, sometimes it's hard for her to uh, articulate exactly but so that is, it's so strong it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, don't settle for just happiness <laughs> it's very powerful mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs>